Titus. We call them the pastoral epistles because Paul was giving instruction to Timothy and then later to Titus on things that uh, ought to be done and how things should be done in the church. And um, when we talk about the church, specifically in the book of 1 Timothy, we're talking about the church of Ephesus. Paul had left Timothy there to oversee things. And uh, there is, there was there in Ephesus a great, uh, great deal of trouble with the exact same thing we have trouble with today. It's called doctrine. Uh, how many times Paul is going to, in this first book of Timothy, doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. And by the way, doctrine is more than just what you believe. We have missionaries call us up all the time. Well, I can send you my doctrinal statement. And um, uh, I've, I've belonged to, uh, taken part in a couple different fellowships of pastors. And, and uh, I remember one of them, they uh, have what they call 21, the 21 Articles of Faith. And uh, I got little frustrated with preachers waving the 21 articles of faith saying, I believe everything you believe. But if you believe right, you ought to have a rock band on your platform Sunday morning. If you believe right, you ought to put Rick Warren's book right up there with your Bible. If you believe right, and, and these, these are preachers that used to preach against those things, and now they preach for them. Paul said, Timothy... You have what you need. You don't need anything new. Just take a hold of what we have here. Let's start in verse 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto... Now look at that next word, hast, past tense, already, you're completely there, you have attained, you have sound doctrine, stay there. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Now we'll just, oh, let's keep going. For therefore we, bo- bo- for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe these things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. 
Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now, Paul was giving this instruction to Timothy, and I've titled this section here, and we may not cover this whole section tonight, but uh, we'll give it, we'll keep pressing forward as far as we can, but take heed to thyself. He said, Timothy, you're going to have to pay attention to what is going on in your own life. You're going to have to hold to the doctrine that you already have, but you're going to have to willfully and manfully refuse profane and old wives' tales. Now, the word profane uh, is a word, again, one of these words we do not use much in modern English. Uh, we use the word profanity. Uh, if you're educated, if you're uneducated, you just curse. Uh, uh, but cursing is profanity. It's profane words. Now, a profane tale or a profane doctrine is where we take what belongs to God and make it common. You profane the Lord's name when you go, oh my God. Now, how many people do that? Don't do that. <laughs> That's not the way God's name is meant to be traded. We have certain um, ways of abbreviating our prayers. In fact, one time, this was several years ago, I was asked by someone we were out witnessing on the street. Uh, I was unaware that this was a bone of contention, but I've studied a little bit and found out that it's a great deal which way you genuflect. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, or in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now, it depends whether you're Orthodox or Catholic, which way you go. And, and uh, there's been a lot of fights over that over the years. And, and uh, this fellow looked at me and he says, well, you're a Baptist. Which is the right way? You claim to believe the Bible. I said, do you want the Bible answer? He said, yes, I do. I said, it's not in the Bible. So they're both wrong. And he looked at me, did you really mess me up? And just walked him <laughs> But, see, what that is, is an abbreviated prayer. When you shortcut prayers, technically you're profaning, you're making something special less important than it ought to be. That's what the word profane means. It means to take something holy and use it for something that's not holy. Now, this is personal, and I know I'm going to show my age and the generational gap and all that, but that's one of the reasons I despise texting and Twitter and Witter and all those dumb little things that are because they're abbreviated conversations. If it's important enough to say it, call me on the phone, talk to me. Amen. And uh, if you get my voicemail, leave a message. I answer my voicemail. Now, it may take a couple of months, but no. Um, I answer my voicemail. 
I don't always get to it the same day, but as soon as I possibly can. Because, listen, I like to talk to people. I hate this. What's up? I got one. It said, the letter R, the letter U, guys coming home. I got that one yesterday. Uh, if it's an important enough message, my wife and I were out. And my daughter sent us a little text there and said, are you guys coming home? Or when are you guys coming home? And uh, But if you're going to have a conversation, we live in an impersonal world. Um, I still just... Because, now, my pastor, Roy Thompson, he will sit down and hand write a letter. That's, wow. He convicts me for being lazy. But, you know, when we're talking to God, should we abbreviate our prayers? Should we, you know, Twitter our sermons? Should we study our Bible? You know, I've got a book on my shelf, the one-minute devotional Bible. I'm sorry, to me that's profane. God is more important than one minute of your day. And this is what is going on in our day is we see the profaning of everything that is becoming sound doctrine. That's why I literally despise much of this new music that is out there today. I don't despise all new music. We have a music publishing company right here in our church, the Prince Music. And these are new songs, songs that have been written, but they're not borrowed from the world. We don't need to go and take lessons on music that involves the world. I'll tell you, music that uh, brings the attention of the world does so for such a, for certain reasons. Uh, maybe I can just give you one example. Again, I'm going to date myself. How many of you know who Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass are? Uh, you've heard, I mean, uh, you talk about jazz. That is that is some of the best jazz music that's ever been performed. But it's still jazz. And one of his most favorite songs, and you'll still hear it playing everyone, it called, it's called It Feels So Good. And if you've heard that song, it's running through your head right now. But he's not talking about holiness in that song. It's profane. And when we go and we take music that is enjoyable to our flesh and change the words so that we can bring it into church and make our church service enjoyable to unsaved people. This is profaning the doctrine of the Lord. It's making it common. And uh, this may not be popular, but it's true. And we wonder why we have more television stations mentioning the name Jesus 
There are more radio stations where the name Jesus is talked about than any other time in history. You have more access to the Word of God. You can go to a thousand Internet websites. In fact, you go to our Internet website for our church and hit a button, and it'll download a PDF copy of the Bible that quick right to your computer. That's a good thing. You can go to sermons. In fact, um, I think we have a few copies left um, uh, David Cloud was putting together a group of sermons, over 500 sermons, MP3, on two CDs. I mean, before our generation, you had no access to things like this. And yet, less is being accomplished for the name of Jesus Christ than ever before. And I, I believe it's Uh, Could we call it Christian profanity? It's where the people who believe in God stop refusing worldliness. I had a fellow call me up uh, this past week. And uh, I was just settling down to do some of my homework. And I got this call and and he grew up on Long Island and uh, grew up in a Jewish family. And moved down south somewhere and he got saved and now he's in a seminary and he's thinking about coming to New York City and starting a church. And so we began talking and I said, you have to understand, I said, the issue of the last 30 years has been really one issue. It's been worldliness. How much of the world are we going to allow to determine what goes on in our church? How much of the world are we going to allow determine what we dress, what we wear? Are we going to allow the the world to determine our approach to the Scripture? Uh, Back in the 70s, it was very popular to refer to God as the old man upstairs. Uh, That's profane. Uh, I'm glad I had a father that wouldn't allow me to refer to him that way. Uh, Because he was not. The old man, he was my father. Listen, this is what Timothy had to do. And if you think what we have going on today is anything new, it's not. If you've read the Corinthians, what were the Corinthians doing? They said, listen, the idols are nothing. Uh, we understand that there's only one true God. And so if if we go sit down and and uh, eat meat that's sacrificed to idols, it's no big deal. And uh, yet there were other Christians that said, now, wait a minute, that that bothers me. How in the world can can you take something that was sacrificed to a false God and put it on your table and thank God for it? How many of you remember what Paul said? He said, you're right. Idols, nothing. But what they sacrifice in those temples, they sacrifice to the devil. And he said, I would not that you have fellowship with the devil. Profane. What was going on in Corinth, just across the AGSC, was going on in Ephesus. And he said, I want you to refuse profane things. It's okay to be old-fashioned. 
somebody wrote, uh, put out a bumper sticker. Come, come to my church. It's your grandmother's church. And I don't know that we could actually use that in New York City because most of our grandmothers didn't go to a good church. Uh, but the idea that it's put, uh, that it is putting forth is simply, hey, why can't we do things? And we're not talking about, I don't think that, uh, we ought to get out zoot suits and long pocket watches like they did in the 19, uh, teens. And, uh, does anybody even here know what a zoot suit looks like? Um, the only reason I do is because my grandfather, I have some pictures of him, uh, when he was just, a young man, just newly married in 1911. And, uh, but, uh, listen, it, we're not talking about styles. We're not talking about locking ourselves into, well, this is the way that so-and-so did it. We're talking about locking ourselves into, this is what the Scripture says. We want to keep what we do profoundly sacred. We don't want to borrow from the world. We don't want to market. I know that if we ran a good marketing campaign, we could increase our attendance. There's just no way that it wouldn't work. But we're not here to market Christ. You say, wait a minute, Pastor, you said it would bring more people in. Yeah, there's a lot of things that would bring more people in. You know, my standard, and it would work, is just give away free beer. I mean, we'd have a line of men from here down to the bridge in the freezing cold weather just to get one. But that's not church, my friend. You say, but you're being excessively ridiculous. Yes, we're using hyperbole to express the idea, but I think we all got the point. And that's what profane is. Now, old wives' fables. Do I need to explain old wives' fables? I mean, these are just made-up stories. Probably one of the greatest examples of old wives' fables in our day and time is Robert Browning's The Da Vinci Code. That comes from a set of books called the Pseudopigrapha, the false writings. And Mr. Brown wasn't even honest enough to consistently use the false writings because it doesn't make good drama. So he just picks and chooses which lies he's going to print and puts them together. It's just old wives' fables. It has nothing to do with the truth. And by the way, uh, I believe it's the epistle of St. Thomas that he used to get most of his stuff out of. But again, he doesn't even take the quotes in context or in relation to other parts of the Gospel of St. Thomas. He just picks out bits and pieces and puts it together. Uh, And that's what old wives' fables are. They're made-up little stories that try to explain everything. Can I tell you the best one I've ever heard? 
CD I've used for years. I've used it quite a bit. I actually heard it on Steinway Street all years ago. We were passing out tracks, and there was a rather little fellow there in front of me, and he took one, took one look at it, looked at me and said, I can tell you why there's no missing link in evolutionary in evolution in the Catholic Church. I'm going, wow. He takes one look at Open Door Bible Baptist Church, and he's going to explain to me why the missing links don't show up in the fossil record on uh, uh, here on earth. This is going to be good. I said, please, sir, could you tell me? And he looks at me seriously. He says, you see, all evolution happens on a planet inside the constellation of the Pleiades. And then Adam and Eve got on a spaceship and brought all of the species now on earth here. And I looked at him. And I said, how in the world did you get that? He goes, I feel You'll have to excuse me, but I really did do this. I ducked down so I could look right at him, and I said, sir, you got real problems. I fear, and just kept on walking. But he really thought he had something. Every once in a while, you'll hear a blip, a blip. So-and-so is the Antichrist. Old wives' tale. The man of sin cannot be revealed until Jesus takes his church out. That's scripture. Because every Bible-believing Christian will point their finger at him and say, you look so good, you've got to be the Antichrist. And God's not going to allow that because he's going to give the deception of the entire world to his messenger. Old Ahmadinejad, if he's still alive, He's going to say, the last imam, you've come, and he's going to fall down and worship at his feet. You know who's going to be right next to him? President of Israel. Saying, our Messiah has come. That's what the Antichrist is going to accomplish in this world. And by the way, you'll have all the conservative talk show hosts going, this is what we've been waiting for. This is the man that we support. I think the liberals are the ones who are going to be upset by Antichrist. Now, this is just my own surmising, but we don't know who he is. And if you think you do, that's old wives' tale. There are men that have tried to explain things in the Bible. I know a preacher, and I've used this example before, who's written an entire book on how Adam and Eve got blood. They had water in their veins when they were created, and when they ate the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, which was grapes, by the way, that's why it's a vine and crawls on the ground. I mean, these are the things that he writes in his book. When they ate those grapes, they, their water in their veins turned to blood, and now they were tainted by sin. And Let me tell you, Even if the guy's right, and I can promise you he's not, but even if the guy's right, what difference does it make how you live today? If it doesn't help 
you live. And don't waste your time on it. It's just an old wise tale. And there are hundreds and thousands of examples. But here's what Paul told Timothy. He said, refuse them. Anything that makes your relationship with God more common, more worldly, more like everybody else, refuse it. Be a Christian on purpose. Amen? Anything that just titillates the senses and says, man, that would really be an interesting study. I'd like to learn all these things. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, I've, I've read some things on ancient practices, and there's a, uh, several books on the connection of the Tower of Babel to all of these religions. And one of the things that almost every author without Without exception, they want to put in all the salacious details. Why do they want to do that? Because we're human beings and we like dirty things. Old wives tale. Refuse them. Don't study Greek mythology. Don't study the lives of the Herods. Uh, you know, I remember when I was in Bible college, they made me study Shakespeare. And I'm not totally against Shakespeare, but have you ever read Shakespeare's plays? They're full of adultery, full of fornication, full of full of filth and wickedness. Why, why do we need to study these things? Somebody says, well, you need to learn how to communicate in good English. Some of you caught that. Um, yes, we do need to know the rules of grammar and how to speak English well. Amen. But you don't need to know Romeo and Juliet to speak English. You see, it says here, let's just read on. We'll get just a little further and we'll stop. It says here, but exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Now that statement right there would solve 90% of the decisions that we face in this life. Exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Now most of us, we live in one of the most, most health conscious ages. I think we're the only generation that has 45 varieties of water. And uh, each one has special... Go look at the store. I mean, it's all that... You can get water from Fiji. Now, what water in Fiji does that's so much better for you than water in the Catskill Mountains, I'm not quite sure. Uh, how many of you have seen Evian water? How many people know what Evian spelled backwards is? Naive. Anybody pay a buck and a half for a bottle of water? You're naive. I don't believe that's by accident, by the way. Somebody has a sense of humor at the Coca-Cola bottling company. But 
we, we look at all of these things and we'll be so careful what we take into our body and, and, and what we won't allow in and all of these things. And in a little bit, he's going to say, you know, bodily exercise profiteth a little. It's good to exercise. It's good to be physically fit. You can protect yourself from injury. Your mind will think clearer if you're physically fit. Your, your body will last longer. God's only given you one body. I like the way Brother Shaw says it. Uh, if, now, he's going to let you live as long as he intends you to live. But depending on how you take care of it is how much pain you're going to put up with uh, between now and when the Lord takes you home. I said, man, well, that's, a, uh, that's a really good thought. You know, Peter, I'll let you lift this heavy thing instead of me. But uh, how about exercising ourselves unto godliness? What equipment would we want? Boy, that's a thought now, isn't it? And yet, here's all the equipment you need. Amen. Church service is your spiritual gym. It's where you practice so that when you go out into the real world, you can survive. Amen? If it's not real enough to help you live tomorrow, then we don't want to be a part of it here. We want to exercise ourselves rather unto godliness. We need to encourage ourselves because it is discouraging in the world, is it not? I mean, you just look around you and, I mean, everything seems to be heading in the wrong direction and... Uh, this is not proper English, but it describes the situation. I find myself just getting weirder and weirder when, when I look around. Why? Because the truth is being isolated. It's, it's being offset. It's being pushed into the corner. And I try to explain to some people, uh, but they don't understand. You know, Jerry Falwell is considered by the world as the most ultra-right-wing, conservative, nutcase, fruitcake that has ever existed. But Dr. Falwell has moved incredibly to the left from the time he began his ministry before he ended it. He changed so many things. The first 30 or 40 years of his ministry, he would only use this Bible, the old King James Bible. Without Dr. Falwell, the New King James Bible would have never been published. His, his Bible college today teaches exclusively out of the corrupt manuscripts from which all the modern versions come. When Dr. Falwell began his ministry, he was a Baptist. Later on, he said, well, I'm a Baptist with a little b. And then later on, he said, the Pope is one of the greatest Christians I know. I mean, these things are, and he is considered radical right-wing nutcase conservative. And yet, he's liberalized many doctrines. Where does that put us? That puts us on the lunatic fringe of the lunatic fringe. But what I want to do is I want to exercise unto godliness, not worldliness. We don't need 
to reach the world by trying to be a part of it. You should know that doesn't work. I've often, several times, have gotten into discussions with other pastors and said, you just, you just, you don't understand. If you just put a Hollywood or a Broadway type show in your church on Friday nights, people would come. I said, brother, you don't understand. Broadway, the real thing is a 15-minute train ride. Do you think I'm going to be able to out-Broadway Broadway here? I said, the competition's a little steep. I said, you can get away with it in Kansas because they don't know what it is. And by the way, what does the world say about Broadway? There's a light on Broadway for every broken heart. Is that really what we want our church to be about? No. We want it to be about serving God. We want people to be unencumbered so they can live the Bible way. And even in New York City, how many of you found this true? As you get rid of the world and adopt God's Word, life becomes just more and more simple. It takes away the pressure. It takes away all of the things that go on. That's what exercising on the godliness does. And by the way, just tying in with the morning's message, the more exercised on the godliness you are, the more prepared you'll be able to serve Jesus in his kingdom in the new heaven and the new earth. Amen? And so, we'll uh, just draw a line in the outline. We got through three points here. Uh, well, one point and two sub-points. And uh, so we'll, we'll just keep plodding on through. But this is what I mean when I talk about the Bible being today's headlines, tomorrow's headlines. Everywhere you go, you're, you're encouraged to accept profane doctrine and old wives' fables. And you're encouraged to exercise yourself in everything but godliness. Let's just stick to what Paul told Timothy ought to stick to. And I think, well, I don't think, I know, you'll be the beneficiary. And our church will be better if we just follow the biblical pattern. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night and we ask that you would work in our hearts, that you would make us sensitive to the difference between that which is profane and that which is holy. Lord, that we would not accept abbreviated prayers, worldly music, many of these things that are just being brought in, abbreviated reading time, abbreviated everything, Lord. Let us not treat God as we would diet or something so simple as that, but let us give him the respect that he deserves. We ask you to do your work in our hearts and in our lives. In your name we pray. Let's just keep our heads bowed for a minute if you'd like to come.